0: Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 140. It's September 18th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, thanks for joining me today. In today's episode, I want to talk about valuation. Um, but I do first want to comment on the stock market because we've seen such a volatile week. It looked at the beginning of the week like we were going into a possible relief rally. I had mentioned that I didn't, you know, I really had resisted the urge to buy into that market. Um, and I was concerned. Am I being too cautious? Am I being, you know, cowardice or am I displaying wisdom? Because it seemed like to me that We potentially could be going into a relief rally. On the other hand, it could be a sucker's rally. Well, it looks like things have petered out, so we're going to talk about that first, and then I want to talk to you about valuations. So as far as the market performance, as we expected, today was options expiration. There was a high deal of volume. Uh, What we talked about watching for this market was could it stay above that key psychological 2,000 mark on the S&P 500. That didn't hold. The markets were down well over 1.5%. This is in spite of the fact that the Federal Reserve yesterday announced that they were going to um, hold interest rates and not raise interest rates. A lot of enthusiasm had built um, into that anticipated move earlier in the week. We've been in a market situation where you know the personality of this market has been for the last five, six years. Whenever you get bad economic news, that's good news on Wall Street. Because that means that the Federal Reserve will keep their easing policies up. They'll be very accommodating. There'll be a lot of um, easy, free money flowing in the system that allows corporate buybacks. That allows a lot of borrowing. People can go out and buy new trucks and new houses. So that spurs the economy along. That's why there's been a lot of buying on the dips. The market will, uh, things will start to look bad. Economic conditions will not look so great. The stock market will come down. The Federal Reserve will continue their easing policy and then people buy on the dips and the, and the markets rise up to all new highs. Corporations keep raising their dividends and buying back more stocks, which brings more and more people into the market. Well, we seem to be reaching that, that diminishing returns. The market's rolled over. It seems now that no matter how much we ease or no matter how much more we borrow, the market just can't go any higher and so we might have reached that critical mass where bad news is actually bad news. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. I'm in the process of analyzing the numbers for this week and I'll probably come back tomorrow or as soon as I can and give you a better analysis of where I think the market is headed. But for this podcast, I really want to talk about valuation and I want to look at it from a slightly different angle than I've done in the past. So I want to dedicate this episode to to trying to answer a variety of listener questions and making it as concise as I can and bringing it all back to value and perceived value. Now, for those of you that haven't listened to the 10 Wealth Building Principles in a while, or if you've never done that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episode four. And that's where I talked about how to identify value. That's the fourth Wealth Building Principle is how to identify value. So go back and listen to that. The archives are always over at wealthsteading.com. And then of course, if you look for them on uh, Google or Stitcher, you'll find them out there as well. But for more specific information about value, and not only value in the stock market, but value in your life. Because wealth building is not just about investing in stocks. It's about building your freedom and your wealth in all aspects of, of your life. Sometimes I forget to, to talk about that. And we get particularly lately so focused on the stock market. So anyways go back and listen to that episode 4. But what today I want, I want to focus on is you know I receive a lot of questions from people wanting to know you know why is this stock price vacillating so much or why is one day the market is up 2% and then the next week it's down 3%. You know if this is a rational market And if the market is supposed to exhibit the exchange of value and and if this market is to be trusted, well, how can the prices vary so much? I mean, so then people come in with all kinds of conspiracy theories. Well, the Saudi Arabians are doing this or the Russians are doing that, or the you know, the rich people are doing this, or the bankers are doing that, or it's is them or it's you know, it's the A's or it's the B's, it's the left or it's the right. And then your brother-in-law tells you this conspiracy and you want to know about it. And, you know, is the Federal Reserve doing this? Here's what I want to say. I don't believe in any conspiracy theories other than the universal conspiracy that everybody is trying to rip you off. Now, that I do believe, okay? So everybody is trying to reach into your wallet and take your money out. That's the universal conspiracy. But having said that, the reason all these other crazy conspiracy Theories flow so much and people have such wild ideas and people have such paranoia is because the market is not rational. Let me give you an example. And, and before I do this, let me kind of like give you an idea where I'm going with this. A lot of times when I talk about how to value a stock, we get into specific. This is the price per earnings ratio. You know, you could take an inverse of that or you divide this or this is what's in the numerator. This is what's in the denominator. I'm not going to go there today. I want to talk more about valuation from the perspective of perceived value and from human nature. Because that's ultimately what it comes down to. Those of you ask me and you talk, you ask me about maybe a local stock in your community. You're like, hey, John, why don't you talk about such and such a stock? And you're from Cincinnati or you're from Boise, Idaho or, you know, Yuma, Arizona or someplace. And you ask me to maybe cover some regional stocks. Well, I, I really don't do that only because I don't invest in them because those stocks generally are too illiquid for me. Now, they may be great for you, but many of these stocks that people ask me about just don't have enough trading volume for them to be on my watch list. And if I'm not looking at them, then I can't speak about them intelligently. So that's why I don't talk about these smaller stocks. But the concept of value and valuations apply. So if I'm talking about Google the same rationale i would use for google as far as the fundamentals is it a good solid company does it have growing earnings does it have growing profits what's the timing what type of chart pattern is it in is the price going up is the volume going up along with it is the price starting to get exhausted all these things that apply to google would also apply to maybe this smaller company that you're looking at in your particular region or for that matter for your particular part of the world we have listeners in In, you know, all around the, all around the world. It just amazes me, um, how many of you I hear from. Incidentally, I will digress here and ask a question. I've noticed a lot more listeners coming in from Germany and from Sweden. And that surprises me because generally our international audience is more English speaking nations. Obviously, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, those type places, Britain. But a lot of listeners seem to also be tuning in from Sweden and from Germany. I haven't heard from any of you or not that I know of anyways, if you've contacted me through through email, then you just had regular Gmail addresses and things. But in any case, if you are a listener in Sweden or Germany, I'd be curious how you heard about the show and how it's being received there. In any case, let's get back to the talk about valuation. So when I when I talk about things, I talk about them broadly so you can apply them in your life. And, and again, it's not all about stocks. When we talk about valuations, hopefully you can apply these same principles to real estate or to buying a used car or, hey, even shopping for that spouse or future partner of yours. And again, that's why I'd encourage you to go back, listen to episode four that talks about how to identify value. Now, another frequent question I get about, and again, this relates back to value, is, you know, people that want to buy penny stocks, or people that have bought penny stocks, and they've lost a lot of money, and they say, well, you know, should I be buying higher dollar value stocks, because I've lost half my money in penny stocks, but I really can't afford higher dollar stocks, because you know, I'm trading in penny stocks that are trading for like a, a buck or less. I can't afford to buy a lot of shares of a stock that's trading for $50 or in the case of something like Google, you know, $571. Well, go back and listen to my previous lessons where I talk about things like you, you can't find a good BMW for $1,000. You know what? You can't make a good investment for $3,000 or $5,000 or $10,000. Now, you can invest your money and you can keep ahead of inflation. And if you invested in 2013 and you were just in the general broad market index, you'd have made 30%, which is a phenomenal return. But if you do those things this year, you're losing money because the market's down. You see, when you have a small amount of money, and a small amount of money is relative, I can't specify exactly what it is for you, but generally, because of the time and effort you put into investing, if the expected rate of return is going to be less than what you can save from your paycheck and not what you are saving but what you should be saving which would be 10 or 20%. The expected return is less than that 10 or 20% of your annual uh, income then you you really don't have enough money to invest because the amount of effort you're putting into that and in, that uh studying and preparation and buying stocks or tracking mutual funds or whatever you would be much better off putting that into other areas of your life, like getting a better education, learning a new skill, working more overtime, getting a second job, saving more. You know, don't eat out as much. Keep a used car longer. Don't don't go in debt to buy a new car or sell the boat. You're going to make much more money doing those things than anything you are in the stock market, because if you're just trying to invest $2,000 and you get a 10% return, well, you're only making 200 bucks. Right, You could get a job tending bar over the weekend and make $200. You could get a job delivering pizzas and, again, over a long weekend or, or a few nights a week delivering pizzas. In tips, you'll make $200. That's far more money than you're going to make the whole year investing in the stock market if you get lucky and you only have $2,000 to invest. So if you're making $50,000, at a minimum, you should be saving at least $5,000 a year, right? You should be putting that away in your IRA or your Roth. And you shouldn't worry about investing that. Just put it in a mutual fund or someplace safe, someplace where you're not going to lose it and let that money build and grow. Because, again, if you just try and worry about investing $5,000 and you get a 10% return, which you're certainly not getting this year, that's only going to be $500, But you know what? If you do that for 10 years and you've built up $50,000, well, now if you can get a 10% return, what's that? That's $5,000. And how much is that? Well, that's 10% of your annual income, which is what you're saving. So now maybe you should be paying more attention to investing and you should be investing in mutual funds or index funds. You should be looking at trying to time the market perhaps in your 401k plan when it's up around that $50,000 or $100,000 mark because then have the opportunity to earn more money through your investments than you do with your savings. And that doesn't mean you stop saving. You keep putting that 10% and 20% of your earnings away and put that into savings. And at the same time, your investments are growing, it snowballs, and that's how you build wealth. Ah, but I digress. Let's get back to valuations, okay? So the point I'm making here is that if you're investing in penny stocks because you just have a little bit of money and you're wondering why you're losing half your money making bad decisions, well, if you had twice as much money, you'd just lose it twice as fast because it isn't the fact that you're just investing in penny stocks that you're losing money. You just don't know how to invest, and so you shouldn't be investing. And reading a book or studying something on the internet, none of that's going to help. Again, I get a lot of questions about, you know, John, are you going to write a book or what book can you refer me to or which book did you read that you've learned this? Well, I've talked about Bill O'Neill's books. I do like Investor's Business Daily. I like William O'Neill's Strategies. Go to investors.com. That's their website. There's free information there. You can subscribe to their newspaper. Uh, They have a lot of training things there. You can read Bill's books. I I think that'll help. And overall, I think that's a pretty applicable strategy for the markets we're in that would introduce you to things like market timing and, and give you a historical perspective of the market. And then there's a lot of other things out there you could read as well. But you know, in the 30 plus years that I've been reading books, a lot of things don't apply. They're old and outdated or they were never accurate at the time they were written or they were based on some type of a fad. A lot of things that occur in the investment industry are more about a cult of personality. You have someone that comes out, they have a great idea, it works because of the particular market you're in, they get on TV, they talk about it, everybody tries to use that method, and then market conditions change, and then that method doesn't work anymore. So why waste your time reading that book? That's just kind of the way I feel on it. Of all the books I've read over these last 30 years, I would say I learned more things not to do than I learned what to do. And maybe someday I will come out with a reading list. But, you know, go back to some of the classics. Go read Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations, you know, An Inquiry into the Nature and Causes of the Wealth of Nations. 99.99% of you will never get through that book. But you know what? That's one of the best books you can read to understand economics. And then as far as things you can look you know, watch on YouTube channels, yeah, there's a lot out there, but most people are either just trying to sell you something or they're giving you their opinion of which they know nothing about because they probably have less money than you do. And then other people will just pontificate and complain about political situations or you know, if their guy was in the White House it would be better, or you know, their guy is in the White House and so things are great and when you know they're not. Don't waste your time with that stuff. Focus on making money, saving it and putting it to work for you in your neighborhood, doing things you know about. And when you build up a sufficient amount of wealth, you'll learn as you go and what you don't learn or don't know about, you'll hire a professional to help you. If you invest in a small, obscure penny stock and it's growing and it has improved earnings and the sales are increasing then over time that stock is going to build and it will turn into a Google or something someday as it grows. And if you invest in Google today that's, you know, 570 some dollars, if Google in the future is able to continue to grow their sales and grow their profitability, then they will go on to be 800 900 you know, $1,200. So the fact that it's a penny stock or not a penny stock or that it sells for $30 or $80, None of that matters. It all comes down to valuation. On a very high level, let's talk about how valuations work without talking about any price per earnings ratios or nothing in the numerator or denominator. We've talked about that in previous episodes. We'll talk about that in future episodes. But right now, I want to keep it at the human level, at the emotional level, at the level where human nature kicks in. And that's where I want to explain it. And I would tell you that this is probably the most important aspect anyways, much more important than the technical or the financial or the fundamental analysis, because the price fluctuations on a stock from day to day have a whole lot more to do with human psychology than they have anything to do with balance sheets. So forget about the numbers now, and let's just talk about human nature. And I want to do this with an analogy story type format. First off, the question I might get from some of you is, you know, why is Google stock fluctuating so much? or Why is XYZ company fluctuating so much? And again, it doesn't matter whether it's a big stock, a regional stock, a penny stock, whatever. They all fluctuate. Now, Google, for example, today it closed off at about $629 a share. Now, some of you are saying, you know, why does it fluctuate so much? And again, this could be any stock because they all fluctuate and they fluctuate from extremes and it doesn't always have any rationality to it. You could have purchased Google stock earlier this year in January for under $500 a share. In fact, I think the low point in January, it reached like $491 a share. And then five or six months later, Google stock skyrocketed by late June, early July. It was up to like $672 a share. So over a period of four or five months, and really a lot of that huge astronomical increase took place over a period of maybe three weeks, you know, it went up about $170. I know that's very irrational. That may be hard for you to understand. The price of a stock does fluctuate around its true value, but it's never exactly at the true value. Because remember the old saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. On one day, Google may be worth $525 a share. On another day, it may be worth $675 a share. It's the perception of the people that are willing to buy it at that given time and that given day and you again may be frustrated by this you may be looking for conspiracy theories you may be looking to blame this on somebody or you may be looking towards some guru that can tell you that you know what that price is going to be next month so you can buy it now and make a killing next month but none of that's true the conspiracies aren't true the ability to for somebody to be able to predict what's going to happen in the future none of that's true these things just naturally fluctuate and the point I want to make in this episode is that they fluctuate in your everyday life. Let me give you an example. Let's say earlier this week I was at Costco. I was doing some shopping. I get a little hungry. I go up to the front of the store and for a dollar seventy five I can buy a hot dog and a coke. Put a bunch of ketchup and mustard on the hot dog, and I eat it and I drink my coke buck seventy five A few days later, I'm downtown. And there's uh, some food vendors set up there. There's a guy with a little food truck. I'm hungry again. I go over. Um, guess what? I see on the menu, hot dog and a Coke. And I buy it from him. And it cost me $5.99. Now, this was the exact same hot dog and Coke that I had a couple days earlier at Costco for $1.75. But the guy wants $5.99 for it. I'm hungry. I give him the money. I eat my hot dog with ketchup and mustard. And I drink my Coke. Now, this weekend, I'm at a sporting event. I'm at a football game or, you know, professional baseball game. I'm at, a, I'm at a big stadium. I get hungry. I go to the concession stand, and I see my favorite thing on the menu, hot dog and a Coke. Guess what? It's seventeen ninety nine. What do I do? I buy it. I get my hot dog. I put ketchup and mustard on it. I, I chomp it down. I, I wash it down with a Coke. How did it taste in comparison to the same one I had at Costco for $1. seventy-five? Well, you know what? They were both delicious. That's the way hot dogs taste. They're just wonderful, right? Great food. Okay, the point I'm making here is you've done the same thing with different purchases in your life. If you get popcorn at a movie theater, it's going to cost you a whole lot than if you make it at home when you're watching TV. At different times, in different situations, in different places, in different environments, you'll pay Vastly different sums of money for the exact same product. And that's no different than in January of this year when you could have bought uh, Google stock for under $500 a share. And then five, six months later in July, you would have had to pay nearly $700 a share for the exact same thing. It's just like that hot dog and coke at Costco versus at the football stadium. It may be irrational, it may not make sense, but prices fluctuate even when value remains the same. It isn't a conspiracy, it isn't because speculators or short sellers or high frequency traders, it's just the way markets fluctuate and most of it has to do with human nature which always comes down to fear and greed. So let's bring this all down to what we really care about which is building wealth. What does this have to do with how you should build your wealth? Well think about the hot dogs. If you're going to a baseball or a football game, maybe you should stop by Costco on the way there, eat a bunch of hot dogs, wash it down with a few Cokes, and then when you get to the stadium and you're watching the game, you won't have to pay 18 bucks for the same thing you got at Costco for $1.75. How does that apply to the stock market? Well, you want to pay attention, just like you did at Costco, and you want to look for opportunities when you can buy those stocks while they're moving up in price. Now, you're never going to get them at the exact bottom, nor are you ever going to sell them at the exact top, but there's a lot of room in between. And let's go back to our Google example. Google traded in a range of about, say, $520 to maybe $550, so a $30 range on a stock that trades over $500 roughly let's call that a 5% range for a period of about three and a half close to four months and because it seemed to have a very strong support level right around five hundred twenty two dollars you know your probability of a loss was fairly limited to around five percent depending upon where when and where you bought it Google was building a base at that time it was in a period of consolidation had you bought it anywhere in that time frame, when it broke out in early July, the stock would have gone up at least one hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty dollars from the level you bought it at. So there was a huge opportunity there to make money. Your downside was on the area of five percent, and yet the upside over that particular run was like twenty or twenty five percent. And remember, nothing changed about the really true valuation of Google stock. It was just the perception and what people were willing to pay for it. So just like you want to load up on hot dogs at Costco before you go someplace that's going to charge you a lot more for that same product, look for opportunities in the stock market when you can load up on something that is about to appreciate. Now, it's not as easy as hot dogs and football stadiums, but if you keep your eyes open, you will see opportunities and you'll see things that other people don't. Is it that simple? One thing I can promise you is, is that if you don't pay attention and you ignore the reality of what's happening around you, well, that's the easiest way for you to lose all your money. So think about it. Again, I encourage you to go back, listen to episode four, how to identify value. And then when we come back in the next episode, I'll be sure and give you a full analysis of what I think happened this week and what is likely to take place in the upcoming days and weeks on Wall Street. So as always, until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.